Good morning. Many of you were here New Year's Eve and participated in not only chanting 108 times to Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, Ranyin, Kanzeon, the one who hears all cries, but also participated in the purification ceremony, the personal purification at the fireplace in the Foreman House beforehand. And in this purification ceremony that we do individually, putting down on paper those habits and obstacles and hindrances that we've become aware of because of our zazen practice. And then making a vow to fully disentangle ourselves from them, to fully cut our dependence on all the ways in which we've shored up what we have come to visualize and believe in as a separate self, right? Completely throw it away into the fire. This is a very powerful gesture. How many of you did it? Those who did not, you have to wait a year. Of course, that's a joke. You can do it right here, right now. This is our practice to do it over and over and over and over and over. We're always right in the midst of the fire of the passions, the fire of the poisons, right? That's the point of practice. Right here, right now. I will. I will. Burn it up. No trace. And then, uh, not long after doing so, what happens? We notice, we notice something. We notice, where did that come from? How come if I made this vow, if I had this retreat, if I realized this understanding, if I got something, how come it's now back to plague me? Just listen to those words. It's now back to plague me. Me, 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 me. If you ever notice the thing that happens most often when you feel overwhelmed by perhaps some sense of not being a good enough student, what's at the center of it is me, me, me. Self-absorption. No matter how many years one practices, it's very hard not to fall back into some kind of self-absorption. After all, we give so much energy to shoring up this so-called self, 
for how many years have we put everything we have into shoring up this fiction of a separate self? So of course it's not going to be done once and for all easily. And yet, at the same time, we might say, well, it's done. It's already done. It's been done from the beginning. This is what Hakuin Zenji is singing about, right? Sentient beings are primarily all Buddha, or fundamentally all Buddha. What's the problem then? What is this seemingly not Buddha that is taking over so many times? Who is this not Buddha? Why is this not Buddha? Where is this not Buddha? How come you believe so strongly in your not Buddha and don't trust Buddha? Doesn't matter. Why? Or how come? What does matter is that you recognize it. Oh, there I go again, believing in my not Buddha. When you recognize this, you're brought up short. I don't have to believe in that not Buddha. Who is telling me I have to believe in not Buddha? Hmm? Not Buddha is telling me I have to believe in not Buddha. This is really quite a convoluted thing we've set up for ourselves. No, we don't. We don't have to. Hmm? Exactly. The problem that we create for ourselves is that we think it's a problem that we have to solve with our intellect. So much energy is not given to the practice, but is given to cogitation. This is not at all necessary. But who believes that? In uh, Song of Zazen today, we chanted, even those who have practiced it for just one sitting will see all their evil karma erased. So you may think, well, Hakuin Zenji was just saying that as a kind of, you know, maybe a goal or an ideal but obviously it's not true, because why? Well, we've all just sat for one sitting and we don't feel that our evil karma is completely gone yet. Already we've seen all these self-involved cogitating thoughts coming up. What does it mean? What does it mean? Even those who have practiced it, who've practiced it, just one sitting. So these are the key words, okay? If you see this as a koan, practiced one. 
we can say this to ourselves in the midst of delusion, in the midst of all the generating of evil karma that's going on when we cogitate. Remember the koan about the monk Myo chasing the sixth ancestor, Winang. And what Winang told him, he said, think neither good nor evil. Think neither good nor evil. Think neither good nor evil. At this moment, what is the true face of you? It's your true nature. Even those who have practiced, practice means think neither good nor evil. Right here, right now. Drop it. Cogitation is always about good and evil, isn't it? You understand, I'm not talking about Satan, okay? Good and evil means every thought you have has some... Hmm? Yeah, some judgment, some value statement. There is no thought you can possibly have that doesn't have some kind of value statement. Is this good for me? Is this working? Do I like this? No, no, no. You can, this is the point, okay? Practice means you can notice it as it's arising before you get completely caught up in it to the point where you're sitting on the cushion whining. How much time is spent during Zazen whining? How much time of your life is spent whining, blaming? Oh, this happened to me and therefore I can't do anything about it and I'm just going to be condemned to be this way forever. Okay, fine. It's up to you. You want to live that way. Go ahead. But you know you hurt other people when you live that way. This is again the power of the mind. The Dhammapada I spoke of during New Year's Eve. We are what we think. We want to continue it? This think good and evil. We want to continue it? If we are constantly in the grips of, oh, this is terrible. Oh, I hate this. Why can't I do that? Then that's what we're going to be condemned to because of our own mind, not because of anything anyone else did. You know, there's this famous passage in the Diamond Sutra that I read often because it really resonates with me. And uh, I'll read it again for you because it's what we're talking about. Furthermore, if virtuous men and women who receive this teaching are downtrodden, their unfortunate destiny 
is the inevitable result of karma committed in their past mortal lives. Okay. Space. New quote. Even those who have practiced it for just one sitting, one, will see all their evil karma erased. Space. Back to other quote. Back to Diamond Sutra. So what happens? When we realize, oh, my unfortunate destiny is the inevitable result of karma committed in my past mortal lives. Something happens when we say that, right? Suddenly, it's all transferred back to right here, this being, right here in this moment. Billions of lifetimes, right here in this moment. No longer is it, oh, they did something to me, right? So there's a big shift there. You understand this shift? Very important. So the next line goes, by virtue of their present misfortunes, the effects of their past will be worked out, and then they will be in a position to realize supreme enlightenment. So I say to all of you, right here, right now, you are in a position to realize supreme enlightenment. Isn't this good news? See, Christians don't have a monopoly on that. This is really Buddhist good news. When we own up to our own karma, and please don't misunderstand this as, oh, blame the victim. That is not at all it. Think neither good nor evil, all right? It's not about, oh, I'm sad and terribly depressed because of this that happened and I can't get rid of it because they did it to me. That's the point. Who is they? We did it to us. I did it to me. There is no they out there. There is no they there. No. So, by virtue of our present misfortunes. Now, some of you have no misfortunes. I'm sorry. <laughs> but most have. So this is wonderful. By virtue of your present misfortunes. So now maybe those of you who feel you don't have misfortunes can come up with something, some little thing, so that the effects of your past will be worked out. It doesn't mean because I'm suffering now, then 
no more evil karma. It means because I'm suffering now, I'm practicing to see what my suffering is, that my suffering is brought about by none other than my ignorance of the true reality. What is the true reality? Here we go back to Hakuin Zenji, who reminds us, you are a Buddha. So it's not a big stretch to say, then you will be in a position to, never mind position to, right here, right now, realize supreme enlightenment. Why not? Why not? We need, when we talk about practice, we need to really have resolve. Resolve conviction. Conviction. Trust. These are so important. We come to our sitting with all kinds of complicated conceptions and intellectualization and belief systems and maybe multiple spiritual practices that we've picked up along the way and things get very busy. When you come to sit, when you sit down to do zazen, don't do anything else. There are many wonderful practices in Buddhism, in Christianity, in Judaism, in Islam, in, you, you know, wonderful teachings. But when you sit, just sit. That sounds boring. Just be bored. Don't try to come up with something more interesting, okay? What could be more interesting than this very moment, this very place, this very body? If you get out of your own way. And to get out of your own way, it means think neither good nor evil. It means let it go. No matter what, how interesting your thought is, let it go. Do zazen. Do sit. Do meditate. Don't think, well, I'll do a little meditation, and then I'll do a little mantra chanting, and then I'll do a little bit of, you know, vipassana, and then I'll try, well, I think that that Christian prayer is really helpful too, and I think I'll put that together with this. And Okay, you can be creative as much as you like, but I want to tell you, the best, the best thing to do is drop it all. Drop it all. This is what happened to Shakyamuni Buddha when he was sitting and sitting and sitting. He had many, many, many things come to him, courtesy of Mara, right? king of fascinating delusions, dancing girls, whatever, all kinds of things, fascinating mental constructions. We all have them. But if we can say to all of them, no, thank you. 
not think, oh, these are ferocious beasts that I have to subdue, so much as just say, no, thank you. Don't put any energy into it because it's not real. Just say, no, thank you to all the fantasies, all the delusions, all the preoccupations. This is move. But what about But maybe I should bore yourself senseless. Exhaust. This sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? You know, without this kind of conviction for just nothing added, nothing added, just no, just this, we really are just like a cork bobbing in the water waiting for the next wave to knock us. Don't want to live that way. Have resolve. Have conviction for your practice. If you hear yourself saying, well, I don't know. What should I do? Don't do anything. Just move. This is how we build trust. Nobody can give you trust. I can't give you trust. This is something you yourself develop through this continual letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go. This is what we mean in Buddhism by change your mind. Just change your mind. You are what you think. If you don't change your mind, you will be enslaved and you will also enslave others. This is not a good thing in the world of good and evil. Not a good thing. Yogen Senzaki, in the book that by the way, I just sent off with the final edit. When? Saturday. He has a um, several part teaching called the Seven Treasures. And the Seven Treasures are described in the Lotus Sutra. Maybe some of you remember. Buddha Shakyamuni compared the seven treasures of materialistic wealth to the same number of spiritual treasures. And these seven treasures are, one, the treasure of faith, or trust, faith in mind. What is this mind? Trust in mind, this Buddha mind. You are. This is your true treasure, 
your Buddha mind. Trust, have faith in that. The treasure of persistence. Again, what I've been talking about, to have resolve, to really continuously, without taking a break from true practice. Sometimes when I'm standing out here during Kinhin, I see people walking and they're kind of thinking about this or they're feeling bad about that. They have their heads down like this. I know they are not having the treasure of persistence at that moment. How we walk, how we sit, how we drink, how we greet people, how we go to work, how we do our studies, how we arrive on time. That means early. This is the treasure of persistence. If we don't persist, if we think, well, I'll wait until I get into the zendo to do zazen, I'll wait until I'm on the cushion, what, you know, forget it. You won't. You won't do it because you've taken too much time off. There's no time off in our practice. That's the bad news. (laughs) The bad news about Buddhism is there's no time off. Time off for good behavior? I don't think so. (laughs) Any moment that's time off is no longer Buddha nature. Of course it is, but you're not with it. Right? You're not with it. Why do you want to be separated from your Buddha nature? Don't take time off from your Buddha nature, okay? No, don't. The third treasure is the treasure of listening. Do we really listen? Or is our mind so fraught with opinions that we can't hear a bloody word? Every now and then a word filters in, and then we go back to sleep, or back to daydreaming, or back to cogitating, or back to, well, yeah, but well, how, how come? If you want to just, that famous logical mind of ours gets us very far away from listening to this. The fourth treasure is the treasure of humility. Humility. The treasure of humility. So I'll finish reading them and then I'll get back to that one. The fifth is the treasure of precepts. And this coming Sunday, we will have precept ceremony for four of our Sangha brothers. The sixth treasure is the treasure of self-surrender. Actually, we can't really appreciate any of the treasures without self-surrender. This self that we have concocted, that we believe in to the exclusion of everything else. Surrender it. So that, your true self, think neither good nor evil. To 
true self shines forth. And seventh is the treasure of meditation and wisdom. Puts them together. Jhana and prajna as one. Of course, if we are truly doing zazen, no doubt about it, natural wisdom is flowing. We're not stuck. We're not caught. Just prajna. That's jhana. But anyway, Senzaki says in part two, so far we have studied the treasure of faith, the treasure of persistence, and the treasure of listening. Each of them is complete in and of itself when it is accomplished. The other treasures are thus incorporated in it. When you realize any one of these treasures, all the treasures are realized. But getting to the fourth, the treasure of humility. If we remember that fireplace purification ceremony, what we chanted first was the verse of purification, right? And every morning service we chanted. And I strongly suggest to all of you, never start your day without this verse of purification. Very helpful. To see all our evil karma erased, we must really sincerely mean it when we say, all my evil karma ever committed by me since of old. That, of course, is not just about past lives, but about the last few moments when you've been wandering in the darkness of ignorance. You are what you think. Serious, serious to change the mind. Senzaki has a uh, somewhat different translation that he speaks of as the purification verse, which I think can be quite helpful. All my evil actions are the endless waves of karma caused by greed, anger, and ignorance performed with body, mouth, and mind. Now I see all of them as baseless dreams, purifying my body with the rules of the Sangha, using my mouth for the reading of sacred sutras, and pacifying my mind through deep meditation. 
I vow to carry myself away from the sea of delusions and reach Buddhahood so that all my actions may turn into manifestations of wisdom and grace. Wonderful, positive, additional verse to what we normally recite. Very nice, very wonderful. Then he says, Thus we Buddhists keep and guard our treasure of humility. By reciting this verse, keep and guard our treasure of humility. And Yogen Senzaki continues, a Zen expression says, heaven and earth and I have the same root. Everything in the world, therefore, is part of my true self. Everything, without exception. Then he says, Just because you have obtained a little Zen understanding does not mean that you are superior to others. This is so important when we go into social interactions and we find people being filled with what we might identify readily as greed, anger, and delusion. Not to think, oh, well, I've been practicing Buddhist meditation and it's terrible the way they just can't seem to uphold the principles of how to live a good life. And you may even think this about other practitioners. You may actually find that people you know in the Sangha have momentary lapses into ignorance. This may come as a huge shock. Don't be superior. The only reason you can recognize them is why. It's familiar. Then Nyogen Senzaki says, when you see Buddha in you, you respect others more than ever. It's not that you say, well, I've started getting some familiarity with Buddha in me, and they're so not Buddha. (laughs) No, no, no. That's believing in your own not Buddha. You respect others more than ever, for you see that others also have Buddha in them. Then he quotes Dogen. Dogen Zenji, who went to China and received the Dharma from a wonderful master there. When he returned to Japan, he said, I returned home with nothing but empty hands. I learned only that the human nose is vertical and the two eyes are horizontal. The morning sun rises in the east and in the evening it sets in the west. That's all I got. If we think, oh, I got something, we're in big trouble. Throw it away. Bring it up. Yogin Senzaki says, here you can see the brilliance of the treasure of humility. 
and admire it to your heart's content. The human nose is vertical. Eyes are horizontal. The morning sun rises in the east and sets in the west. That's it. So let us do our simple practice with humility, with trust, persistence, resolve, generosity. And don't add any concepts. Even those words are so tempting. Don't make those words into concepts. Allow those words just to shine forth from your own 